1: is the Tom Hartman Program.
2: And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. I wanted to share with you a uh, thought. I think I have to be very careful in how I word this. <laughs> and the question, will Liz Cheney be the one who saves the Republican Party? Now, originally I wanted to ask the question, will Liz Cheney be the one who saves the country? But obviously it needs to go way beyond Liz Cheney and I have no illusions that Liz Cheney is anything other than your standard issue pre-Trump Republican. In other words, you know, not all that worried about climate change or anything else, and, and uh, you know, there for the billionaires, and yes, let's have another war, and all that kind of stuff, right, that the Republicans are all about. But uh, a day before yesterday, Liz Cheney gave a speech at the Reagan Library that got a standing ovation from a group of Republicans. And I think this is a a moment that you and I and the rest of America are gonna look back on probably next December after the elections, after the November elections, maybe in 2005 after the 2004 presidential elections. I, I, I'm not sure how rapidly the Republican Party is going to change, but I think that this speech that Liz Cheney gave yesterday or day before yesterday at the Reagan Library or maybe two days three days ago was a major pivot point for the GOP. And yes, I realize, you know, this is not a program for Republican listeners, generally speaking, although we love our Republican listeners. And, and as I've said many times and demonstrate every day. If you call in and say that you disagree with me or you want to challenge me or you're a Republican, I will put you on the air before anybody else. It's not like C-SPAN where you've got to wait in line with a separate phone number. You just go right to the front of the line. Because I think it's so important that we have these conversations or debates or whatever it may be. But right now we've got a Republican Party, including its leadership, Ronald Romney McDaniel, who are completely in the thrall of, under the control of Donald Trump. Now that is rapidly changing and the Trump faction of the party, the, you, you know who the usual suspects are, particularly the most outspoken ones, uh, a number of them are going to remain loyal to Trump for a while on the hope that maybe, you know, when they get finally bounced out of Congress, Trump will give them a job or something. <laughs> if they think Trump is going to be loyal to them, you know, I've got a bridge to sell them in Brooklyn. But in any case, uh, some of them are going to hang out with Trump, but many of them are going to shift to the next authoritarian. Whether it's Ron DeSantis or Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley, I mean, you know, we'll see. Rick Scott, there are a few uh, possibilities, Christy Nome, Greg Abbott, uh, these are, these are the, the ones that are at the top of the list of uh, potential 2024 Republican uh, presidential nominees who are all authoritarians as opposed to uh, like Mitt Romney or Liz Cheney, you know, good old-fashioned Republicans. And I, I say good in scare quotes. But I, w- I just want to share with you what she had to say. This, this is a, a truly extraordinary speech. She said, this is, again, at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation, and it was to a room full of Republicans, now, many of them elected officials. She said, I know at this moment we are confronting a domestic threat that we have never faced before, and that is a former president who is attempting to unravel the foundation of our constitutional republic, and he is aided by Republican leaders and elected officials who have made themselves willing hostages to this dangerous and irrational man. So she starts out by laying out what she and the January 6th committee have found and are asserting. She goes on to say, some in my party are embracing former President Trump, and even after all we have seen, they are enabling his lies. Many urge that we do not confront Donald Trump, that we look away, and that is certainly the easier path. One only need look at the threats facing the witnesses that have become, come before our January 6th committee to understand the nature and magnitude of that threat. But to argue that the threat posed by Donald Trump can be ignored, is to cast aside the responsibility that every citizen, everyone, must not do that. We cannot do that. So here she is saying, we have to confront the reality of this problem. Then she goes on, she says, as the full picture is coming into view with the January 6th committee, it has become clear that the efforts Donald Trump oversaw and engaged in were even more chilling and more threatening than we could have imagined. As we have shown, Donald Trump attempted to overturn the presidential election and attempted to stay in office and prevent the peaceful transfer of power. He summoned the mob to Washington. He knew they were armed on January 6th. He knew they were angry, and he directed the violent mob to march on the Capitol in order to delay or prevent the county of votes. So, again, this is the sort of thing that you would pretty much expect from Liz Cheney, particularly given her position on the January 6th committee. But now it gets wild wild. I'm telling you, at the end of this speech, I'm going to read a a few more sentences uh, of it to you. At the end of this speech, she is basically claiming the mantle of feminism that Hillary Clinton holds. She said, the reality we face today as Republicans, as we think about the choice in front of us, we have to choose because Republicans cannot be loyal to both Donald Trump and the Constitution at this moment. And And the audience breaks into applause. After the applause fades out, she says, we must not elect people who are more loyal to themselves or to power than they are to our Constitution. And again, the audience breaks into applause. And then she praises Cassidy Hutchinson for her bravery in, in testifying before the committee. And she finishes with this line. This is how she wraps up her, her, her speech. It's, this is incredible. She says, this is Liz Cheney the daughter of Dick Cheney, she says, and I quote, and I want to speak to every young girl watching tonight. The power is yours, and so is the responsibility. In our great nation, one individual can make all the difference, and each individual must try. There are no bystanders in a constitutional republic. And let me say this to the little girls and young women watching tonight. These days, for the most part, men are running the world, and it is really not going that well. And the crowd went nuts. Liz friggin' Cheney. The men are running the world, and it's not going that well. Is Liz Cheney going to be the one who saves the Republican Party? I don't know, but what what I'm seeing from this speech, and the audience response to it, Is that Donald Trump and the corrupt toadies that he surrounded himself with are toast, toast with a capital T. They are toast. Now you know I I realize you know what's what's the old saying? You know, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. I think that was Mark Twain, Um, but uh, who knows? We'll see. But I'm I am predicting that the republican party is you know it has basically it has two choices i mean this is very much not unlike what happened with the federalists in the eighteen twenties the federalists had been so corrupted john adams was the second federalist president and the last federalist president and john adams in the in the second year of his uh, or the beginning of the third year of his presidency in seventeen ninety eight passed the alien sedition acts and through the publishers of 18 newspapers in prison for writing op-eds against him, in prison. And the Federalists embraced that fascist idea of America, and by 1820, they no longer existed. They were replaced by the Whigs, who you know, were not anywhere near as neo-fascist as John Adams had become. But we're still kind of, you know, the power of big business and the northeastern uh, elite the, of Wall Street in New York, basically. Whereas the Democrats were the party of the slaveholding South. And the Whigs only lasted because the Whigs didn't take a position on slavery. Uh, the Whigs were all about, hey, how, how, you know, who's going to make the most money for us? And Abraham Lincoln came along in 1856. You know, the, the Republican Party had their first meeting, and I believe it was in Jackson, Michigan, in 1856. And Abraham Lincoln came along and said, no, we're going we're gonna to take a principled stand. We're going, to, we're going to establish a new political party. And that was the end of the Whigs. So, you know, the Republican Party is part of this long lineage, and they have the choice of going the way of the Federalists and the Whigs and being replaced by another... Party. I mean, America needs a party on the right. I, I hate to say it, but we need a party on the right. We need to have uh, you know, honest, enthusiastic, open, above board, but honest is the magic word here, debates on the issues. And you can't do that with single party rule. Single party rule always ends up corrupted. No matter how wonderful your party is, it could be nothing but Bernie Sanders in the House and Senate, Bernie clones everywhere. And if it it had absolute power, if it was the only political power, it would become corrupt. History tells us that back back to the Greeks. So we need a Republican Party. But a fascist Republican Party, a strongman Republican Party, a corrupt Republican Party, it is doing amazing damage to this country. Now, that said, there are those who are trying to, so you got Liz Cheney trying to reinvent the Republican Party as basically just kind of, you know, the, the, the George Herbert Walker Bush Party or the Richard Nixon Party, the party of big business and great wealth. Then you've got Tucker Carlson and Fox News trying to reinvent the Republican Party as a post-Trump party, but now a fascist party. Well, I was going to pick up Dave's call here. He was supposed to be next because he called and he told Louise that he totally disagrees with me and uh, I'm misrepresenting the Republicans. And I thought, oh, that'll be an interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, this happens like nine times out of ten. Conservatives call up and they tell the call screener, oh, I'm going to rip him a new one. I've got all the details. I'm ready for a debate. And they get put on hold. And after a minute or two, they just chicken out. I I don't get it. I told you before the break that I was going to share with you how Mary Trump yesterday or maybe it was the day before suggested on on live national television that her uncle Donald Trump wasn't just trying to frighten Mike Pence into carrying out Eastman's memo and declaring Uh, you know, dueling electors and throw the election to the House. He wasn't just trying to frighten Pence, Trump. And that Trump wasn't just trying to get Pence away from the Capitol, although it appears that he was working with the uh, Secret Service to do that. It was totally strange. Mike Pence refused to get the car, you'll recall. But Mary Trump says, no, there's a third thing here that my uncle was doing, that Donald Trump was doing. He was trying to get Mike Pence killed. And when he tweeted that Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what was necessary, that was the moment the crowd went nuts and started chanting, hang Mike Pence, and they had brought a gallows. This was, they were planning murder. Now, why? Mary Trump says that they were planning murder because they wanted to stop the certification of the election, A, but more importantly... Her, she believes that her uncle was looking for an excuse, Donald Trump was looking for an excuse to, to uh, declare a state of national emergency and suspend the Constitution. And arguably the assassination of the Vice President and the Speaker of the House, because those were the two people that they were, that these uh, uh, right-wing militias, these, the armed uh, militia faction of the Republican Party was going, they, you know, they were going to kill Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. Anyhow, picking up your phone calls here. Donna in Windsor, Connecticut. Hey, Donna, what's on your mind today?
3: Oh, I have a few things. My mother-in-law and my my husband's a trucker, and when Trump did his tax cut things, he was trying to tell her that he is screwing us royally, you know, because he doesn't get his per diem. Mm-hmm and she would not listen and she was off because you know the big Trump at the you know yeah. the races there in Daytona and all her nonsense but she wouldn't listen and he was like I'm not Fox News I'm not CNN I'm not any of that I'm your son trying to tell you what he's been doing for us no listening for her but that's an you know like it's kind of crazy but also when he was on the road he would tell the other truckers, because they're all like, oh, my God, if we put that one in office, we're going to they're going to take our guns. Well, he'd get on the CB and he'd tell them, oh, I thought already Obama took your guns. And oh, my God, that would put the chatter on the CB. <laughs> but,
4: <laughs> I can <could> imagine. <laughs> oh, that. You,
3: know, you know, he used to really mess with them a lot. And um, then also the. Uh, you. I was thinking when you had that trucker on there, that one, that protester one, he should have been doing, instead of being at the Capitol protesting that, he should have been trying to protest to get the truckers good pay and everything else. Yeah, protest with, the, ta- the Trump you know. tax
2: cut and, and, you know, taking right, away exactly. the tax breaks for truckers. I'm with you. I'm exactly. with you. Donna, thank also, you for the call.
3: Uh, Al Franken had a funny thing on uh, one of the programs last night. He said about Ron Johnson, Uh um, he used his hand as, I'm on the phone. You know, that's how he used to say it. I'm on the phone.
2: It's kind
5: of
3: a cute little
2: thing. There you go. Donna, thank you. Thank you. Melver in Thunder City, Alabama. Hey, Melver.
5: You can't talk to them. Hmm. You can't change their mind. I'm 86 years old. I remember when the word brainwash was out in the public and people were fearful of that word. I mean, they you know, uh, some of our uh, military had been brainwashed. And they had to be treated when they got home because they were in another mindset. Remember
2: when Mitt Romney's dad went to Vietnam and came back and said he had been brainwashed? That was the end of his political career. But he he said that the military had brainwashed him into supporting the war, and he realized it was a bad war. And uh, George Romney. I I remember that well because I lived in Michigan at the time. This was, I think... Maybe sixty nine, seventy. I've, I'd have to go back and look at the year, but uh, yeah, brainwashing. The fear of brainwashing was real, and concern about it, and use of the term. I get it, Melvin, I think you're absolutely right, and and it's a it's a sad it's a sad state of affairs. They're
5: brainwashed by Fox News yep. and by just talking to each other. They don't hear anything else. Yeah, and it's amazing how much stuff is in their mind, and unless. There's a way found to educate these people and to get them to once consider, hey, I may have been brainwashed if yep. things may not be the way I'm thinking. Yeah. Unless you can get them to think like that, I don't think you can change their minds.
2: I think you're right, Mel.
5: And also, I agree with that person who suggested blackmail with Trump. Mm-hmm. I've thought this for a long time.
2: You think he's blackmailing and I think some Republicans? Trump
5: is far more dangerous than any of us have realized.
2: Well, it makes sense to me that he's blackmailing Lindsey Graham, among others. But, um, yeah. Right. Uh, but I'm uh, maybe Marco Rubio. I, I, I'm, you know, yeah. Okay, Melvin, thank you very much. I, I, I don't know where to go with that beyond yes. I, I get it lori in cashiers north carolina hey lori what's on your mind today
8: i called because you posed a question about what what's with the doj and why aren't they acting uh first of all i'd like kudos to the gal that brought up the blackmail that's the only thing that ever made sense to me about the trump administration
2: wow we have a growing consensus here
8: oh yeah that's the only thing that made sense to me you didn't need to do oppo research on hillary He <laughs> just could do blackmailing just call on the republicans.
2: Yeah. <laughs> call up Putin and get the dirt on the republicans. And and Ron Johnson by the way was one of the republicans who spent the 4th of July in Moscow.
8: Well, I don't know all
2: the And maybe there, maybe but. you know there was seven republican senators uh or maybe six senators and a member of the house who spent the 4th of July in Moscow and they were put up in very fancy hotels and there might be the equivalent of the PP tapes on them now. I mean, who knows? Maybe they were plied with hookers and videotaped.
8: It's the only thing that's ever made sense to me.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, as
8: outlandish as it sounded, it's, it's the only thing that ever made It is made
2: starting sense. to make more and more sense to me too. Yep, well, Laurie, thank you anyway, very much. Anyway,
8: well, I called to talk about the DOJ and oh, the Congress, okay. Congressional Committee. Mm-hmm. And I think what's going on there is this is backlash from the Iran-Contra hearings, where the DOJ had convicted Ali North of three crimes, three federal felonies, Yep. but then the Congress gave him immunity and they were no longer able to prosecute because there was no guarantee that that immunity hadn't been crossed in questioning.
2: You're right.
8: So I think the DOJ is just going to stand back until Congress does its thing and then hopefully then they will step forward and say, now we will do our job. Once you guys are done with and satisfied with your report now we can step forward because they have received instruction from the congress that there is nefarious action going on
2: yeah it it may be i remember when Ollie north you know after he got let off the hook he became a right-wing radio talk show host i remember Uh g gordon liddy i met g gordon liddy in new york city at one of the talkers conventions you know there's an annual convention of the industry as it were and In fact, at that particular one, I think Sean Hannity had gotten the Freedom of Speech Award and gave a a big speech to all of us. And uh, I met G. Gordon Liddy, and I don't know if you've watched Gaslit, the series about Martha Mitchell and and Watergate on, I think it's on Showtime. Maybe it's on Starz, whatever network it's on. It
8: was too slow for me, and I didn't want to relive the Watergate thing. Oh,
2: it's amazing, Lori. It really, after the first couple of, of episodes, it really picks up. And it's just, and Sean Penn! is playing John Mitchell in there you know and what's the woman who's playing Julie Roberts is playing Roberts. Is, yeah is playing Margaret Mitchell
8: you know, there was too much in the press about, oh, this is like Watergate. Yeah, and
2: no, no really I get it, but right. it's and it's really, like, well, okay, maybe you're you're skeptical about it, Laurie, but let me just say to anybody else who's listening, I loved it. Louise and I could not pry ourselves away from that. It was absolutely amazing. And, and frankly, from having met G. Gordon Liddy, I think he was accurately characterized in that movie. I mean, he was one of the weirdest people. Laurie, thank you for the call. He was one of the weirdest people that I've ever met in my life. This guy—he was just like his military bearing, and, and yet trying to be this talk show host. I mean, it was just—it it was just weird. I don't know how to describe it beyond that. Rick in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Rick, what's on your mind today?
7: Yeah, um, I heard that the state of Texas, among its other decisions, has decided that
1: they have the right to succeed for the nation.
2: Uh, it wasn't the state of Texas. It was the Texas Republican Party. One of the platform planks oh. that they approved in their meeting this last weekend was that uh, Texas should secede from the country unless unless the country basically gets taken over by by right wing fascists.
7: That is just so bizarre, knowing what I know about the Civil War.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, you think you've heard it at all? Guess what? You have not.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Rick. Just the fact that they're willing to use language that led to the death of almost 700,000 Americans is breathtaking. Right, right. Yep. Rick, thanks a lot for the call. Good point. Excellent point. (laughs) Well made. Thank you. Dave in Los Angeles. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today?
9: Thanks for the time. It's funny, there was another Dave that was, um, that you, you you were, who was a Republican, I guess, apologist. So just also from LA. Not me, but in his defense, you know, I wanted to say 100% sympathize, uh, you know, with all the anger, disbelief, disgust, self sacrifice. Anyone, uh, you know, who is, uh, is, Smart enough to realize the deck's stacked, you know, certainly on the Republican Party. So I'm happy to take up his thing and argue in favor of any policies that, you know, you might you might find ridiculous or anybody else. Um, my, my second topic, and let's say that's the first one, defend that, poor, poor Dave from L.A. is actually, we're all doing okay. And the other one is that um, I, I have, you know, no belief in the system that, uh, the system at all, I never had it, I didn't have it 20 years ago, um, but used to have a place to put my energy and sort of show my kids, hey, this is a, a, a way to go. And I don't have a way to show them now, you know, that doesn't involve eventually some sort of corporate personhood or, you know, the, the voting is all screwed up. I don't have, like, a way to go to say this is what we should fight for that includes love and brotherhood and, and a vision of all humanity, you know, just a religious vision or a factual vision. We're all the same, and we love everybody. We love Trump, you know, and so I don't have a place for that that I can live by. Um, so that's my real question, but also I'm, I'm willing to, to take anything on and, and speak for that previous day.
2: No, I'm sorry to hear that. I in my opinion, you know, we have a two-party system in this country because we have first-past-the-post post, post winner-take-all elections. So that always produces a two-party system. And so you basically have a choice. You can you can join up with the Republicans or you can join up with the Democrats if you want to have any meaningful impact. And yeah. there are ways in the Democratic Party, it varies from state to state, and it's probably a little more difficult in Los Angeles than it is in other places, yeah. but there are ways to get inside the Democratic Party, becoming a precinct committee person is the top of the list, and actually yeah. have a significant impact and have a lot of influence. And so, yeah. you know, if you want to have that legacy of activism that you can, you know, tell your kids about and get them excited about that would be what i would do i i alternatively there's some great groups out there democracy for america um, our revolution, indivisible.
9: So, so move, to amend, move to amend, just to say, the constitutional
2: amendment. Move, move to amend is a, a great organization. organization. Move so to amend.org. That's
9: org. what I need to first get out of that two-party system because the two-party system, you know, that's, my, that's my primary goal if I had to live my whole life for it. That's what i say my kids to do Well, if you want to so get out of the
2: two-party system, the then, two-party. then hook up hook up with somebody who's you know inside yeah. the Democratic Party who's promoting uh, ranked choice voting because that's, that's going to be a hell of a lot easier to pass. You can pass that with simple legislation uh, state by state. And in fact, you've got to 300 communities in the United States and, you know, San Francisco, the largest, largest city to have it, you know, where it's working. And so, you know, step by step, Dave, that, that will get rid of your two-party system right there. Suddenly you'll have multiple parties participating actively. Doug in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, Doug, thanks for watching this on YouTube. What's up?
10: Hey, how are you doing today, Tom? Good. What do you, you had a caller at the beginning of the show that said something about a the fraudulent electors in 2016 yeah and, uh, I think a
2: couple of people on Twitter have said to me that what he was asking about were the faithless electors as opposed to fraudulent electors and I completely misunderstood yeah. what he was saying apparently
10: yeah I had remembered it. it was faithless electors and back then just because you're an elector you did not have to cast your vote the way the state appointed you to that is
2: still the law yes
10: is it still I thought the Supreme Court changed and said you must vote as you're appointed.
2: Really? There's a, there's a wiki on faithless electors in the 2016 election. It's titled Faithless Electors yeah. in the 2016 United States Presidential Election. And I thought that the Supreme Court, let me just click on the uh, legal challenges uh, ch- piece of this. Uh, but uh, yeah. In Colorado, the Supreme Court granted cert for these cases. Uh, Sotomayor's refu- recused. Uh, oral arguments has been scheduled for eight, Oh, they haven't. May 13th, July 20th, the Supreme Oh, on July 6th, 2020, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously that states may require an elector to vote for the candidate to whom they are pledged, and a fine imposed for an elector for breaching a pledge is not unlawful. So what? So what the Supreme Court decided is that states would have to pass laws penalizing electors who are faithless. I don't know if any states have actually done that. Do you?
10: Not that I'm aware of, and I, I thought it was a federal level. I'm glad to no, know it was more on a state by state basis.
2: Right. Yeah. This is this is what they said is that state. I'm quoting: states may require an elector to vote for the candidate to whom they are pledged, and a fine may be imposed for an elector for breaching a pledge that is not unlawful. So it's up to the. It, basically, they threw it back to the states. But thanks for catching that. I, you know, I I saw a couple of people on Twitter also, you know, flagged it for me, and that's how I got to that website during the break, and and figured out that i had messed up i misunderstood the guy's question thank you for that doug great to thank hear you, tom from you. yeah good talking to you uh, liz in redmond washington hey liz what's on your mind today
8: hey tom i just want to agree with trump blackmailing everybody
2: trump um, what everybody
8: blackmailing
2: oh blackmailing oh you 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 think he's blackmailing republicans you know i've thought this for years see i just um, think they're happy to go along with fascism
8: well i'm sure they are that too but when you can you know twist the thumbs curve, you do it yeah. and with him being you know in the casino business and then his friendship with epstein i mean it's just it's just par for the course isn't it
2: yeah yeah it could, it could be i mean it's it's possible even that jeffrey epstein provided donald trump with blackmail information oh. Well, God they only knows.
8: Provided each other with all kinds of stuff.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's um, po- it's possible, Liz. I, it, it's possible. Thank you for the call, Tom in Seattle. Hey, Tom, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up?
10: Yeah, you had congressman who took tours through the Capitol the day before the yeah Barry
2: Loudermilk in Georgia.
10: Yes. Well, were you aware that Michelle Bachman was giving tours? If you remember her. You mean on?
2: Uh, you know, she was not in Congress in 2020.
10: No, she was retired, but she was still able to give tours. Really? She gave tours leading
2: up to January 20th or January 6th, 2021?
10: She gave a tour on the 5th. And this was a little bit after uh, the 6th that she said this on the radio. I believe she was there on the 6th also. Whoa. But I'm not sure about that. But of course, she was quick to remind us that the um, people causing the trouble were all Democrats just leading the poor uh, right. innocent uh, Republicans into the deal. Like yeah. lambs
2: to slaughter, yes.
10: Yeah. Well, thank you for that, you know, Tom. I, I haven't heard, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I haven't heard anyone mention that. Yeah,
2: uh, neither have I, and I'm, uh, you know, it's something to look up during the next break. Tom, thanks a lot for the call. Michelle Bachmann, holy cow. I, I read recently that she's still on her hobby horse about gay conversion therapy. I mean, just talk about a toxic person. Speaking the truth, Fox News would rather you didn't know all about. We'll be right back. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com Hartman. That's netsuite.com
6: Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: So a lot going on here, and of course there's still an awful lot to discuss about what's going on with Ron Johnson, what's going on with Andy Biggs, the two legislators who were specifically called out. Ron Johnson has just been uh, spinning, I mean just uh, trying to get as far away from this thing as he can. Um, It's fascinating to watch. What I'm wondering is if you know anybody, any Republicans at all, anybody who voted for Trump, who has been influenced by these hearings, or are we so tribal, are we so locked in that these hearings are essentially meaningless? I mean, you know, they're certainly pissing off a lot of Democrats, but uh, what what's the consequence of this going to be? I, I, I would argue they're also building a really, really good case for the criminal prosecution of Donald Trump. And the fact that the Justice Department is reaching out to them and saying, hey, can you send us those transcripts, please, uh, tells us that the Justice Department is thinking so, too. But I'm, I'm with Congress. I'm, I'm with, uh, with uh, Chairman Thompson, Benny Thompson, here in saying, you know, uh, you guys want to talk to our, our uh, witnesses? Fine. Convene your own damn grand, grand jury. Because if the Justice Department convenes a grand jury and starts gathering this information, they 're going to be obligated to follow through with prosecutions. If they just get the paperwork from the committee, they don't have to do anything. They could just read it and go, "Oh yeah, okay, very interesting, thank you very much." So I think and now this is just my opinion, I may well be wrong on this, but I think that you know Benny Thompson and, and um, you know and, and, and friends, I think that they're trying to basically force the the, the Justice Department into doing their damn job. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, let me pick up some of your phone calls here and see what you have to think, you know, say, think and say about all this stuff. Ken in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Ken, what's on your mind today?
1: Well, uh, Actually, I got two things. One, to say, to uh, kind of agree and disagree with what you just said. Yes, he deserves to be prosecuted. I mean, they got the man on video. They got him on tape. They got... You're talking Trump. If it was a normal person, they'd be gone. JS, yeah. okay, yes, Trump. But here's the problem. We didn't prosecute Nixon. We didn't prosecute Bush. I mean, Cheney got away with shooting a man in the face and telling the cops to go away. Okay. okay. <laughs> they're, I, I don't think they're going to touch him. I don't think they're going to touch him because I don't think they want to set precedent, for one. Okay. I mean, yes, the man is guilty as sin. Everybody knows it. And unfortunately, we become so tribal that... I don't believe they're going to touch him. I, You know, the, the lower guys, yeah, they're going to say, okay, we put a bunch of people in there, but that's it. The upper guys, they're, unfortunately, they're rich, white, and Republican, and unfortunately, that's who gets away with it. Yeah. I do got one thing I got to say on a different subject, and mm-hmm. it's something I've, I've noticed for years. I've got a really right-leaning stepbrother who I argue with often, and we both used to do this job. I'm a truck driver, okay? I'm part, I am your supply chain. There's nothing in this country that get anywhere without touching a truck. In 2018, when Donald Trump put through his tax cuts, okay, he slipped one in that nobody's talked about, and that is this. In 2018, I was told when I filed my taxes, this will be the last year that you're able to deduct your equipment, my GPS, which runs $500, my radio, $200, everything else I need, okay, because I have to have certain things to do this job. I'm talking on a headset right now because it's a $2,000 fine if I don't. And we also used to get a certain amount for being away from our families every day and away and having to eat out every day. Donald Trump took those away. In 2019, we were no longer allowed to deduct those. Most of the guys who have been out here for years, I've been out here for 30, okay? We're talking guys who've been out here for 40 and 50 years because one was my my dad, all right? They looked at it and they throw a pandemic on top of it and they go, it's not worth it anymore. And you just slipped the throat of your own supply chain. We may not make anything anymore in this country which is wrong, we need to go back, okay? But your supplies are staying right off the coast They don't have any place to put them in the ports because they don't have guys like myself to pull the containers out of the ports to the locations where they can bring in a new stuff, automatic supply chain issues.
2: Yeah, I absolutely get it, Uh Ken. And when when Trump did that, uh, or Congress did that, with with Trump's tax cuts, I got a lot of calls from truckers back in 2018 when that happened, early 2019, when the impact of it became obvious. Uh, I was surprised, frankly, and I continue to be surprised, that truckers, by and large, still support Trump. That Can you explain that?
1: It's, it, I mean, he screws well, you guys badly. Most of these guys, most of these guys who come out and do truck driving are ex-military, okay? 98% of the military, because I was raised around the military for 23 years in the Air Force. My dad was a diehard Republican. We had many a conversation because I'm an independent, always have been. But, you know, most of these guys come out here, they hear the BS, you know, my my step brother, the first words out of his mouth, every time a Democrat that's gotten into office in my lifetime, they're coming for your guns. It's a boogeyman. Right. It it it, it, it right. you know so you,
2: you think that even even though the Republicans screwed truck drivers, the tribalism is going to prevent them from abandoning the Republicans?
1: Unfortunately, yes.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Because again,
1: Ken. you know what I've seen with a lot of Republicans, and this unfortunately includes relatives, is that Donald Trump is not that stupid. He has not gotten as far as he's gotten without having a brain in his head. But oh, he's a very they slick man. You are, yeah. And they believe you are that stupid. That's the problem. Yeah. I don't discuss politics in truck stops or religion because it'll get you in fighting every time.
2: Yeah, I get it. Okay, I get it. But
1: every truck stop I go into, same thing. Fox News. Yeah. And I just, I put, you know. But that's what I wanted to say, I appreciate the time.
2: Thank okay. you, Ken. Thanks thanks a lot. Thank you. Keep, keep on trucking
1: there.
2: Sandra in Boston, Massachusetts. Watch us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Sandra, what's on your mind today?
0: Hey, Tom, uh, seriously, I, I can't listen to any more talk about not holding Trump accountable. I mean, in one breath, we say, hey, nobody's above the law. I mean, even Nixon had to resign. Yep. But uh, we're talking about, oh, well, Robert Wright says, you know, it's going to create violence. We're already there. It's going to, you know, make the rift deeper. It's uh, Again, <laughs> that's a little too late. Uh, I agree with you. you. You don't think they're not going to do it again uh, because we said, hey, shame on you and wagged a finger at this guy. I mean, he's going to hang Pence. You know, I'm no
2: fan of Pence. But, and, and behind uh, him is coming Ron DeSantis, who is every bit as bad as Trump, but a whole lot slicker and smarter.
0: And do you think for one second that that's going to mean he's not going to uh, press the issue and get as far away as he can, as, as much as he can get away with it? I mean, even Cipollone and his own people knew yeah. that he was committing these crimes, and they're high crimes, and nobody arrests them. Nobody does. Throw him in a hole. I worked in law enforcement. Throw him in a prison for a day. The guy who's throwing dishes at the valet, this isn't a guy I'm worried about. Okay, yeah. And his 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 followers, I'm a mixed-race woman with a MAGA dad. Uh, the only Yikes. thing they respect is strength. Right. And so it's a very nuanced situation because you say, hey, you know, how can he be racist? He's got black kids. You know, and he keeps trying to find a way to get us a, a get-out-of-jail-free card on the, the race war. You know, a dad, yeah, that's not really going to happen, bro, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, you wonder why, you know, we have Herschel Walker. They respect the strength of some crazy football player. These people who are, their commercials show them busting in houses with AR-14s and uh, 15s and, and, and we're like, hey, guys, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't do that. It's really, it's not a good look for us. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's yeah. going to perpetuate. And these people, these kids that are shooting them up, you know, I tell people all the time, you know what the white supremacists hate more than people of color? White women. They shoot their moms first, they shoot grandma, uh, they find women weak, these incel cats, they're doing the same thing, and the only people holding them account are women of color, uh, Letitia James and others. And don't be fooled, I was talking to, I think it was Joyce, about how, yeah, when, the, in, I think it was Georgia, when they were signing in some crazy uh, voter suppression law, they dragged that woman down the hall. Not because there aren't 700 doors to get you out in case of an emergency, we learned that from you know the Capitol. There's a lot of side doors, but they wanted to let everybody see them drag this woman down the hall, a black woman, so she know her place. And she so, was she
2: was a state senator or a state representative, was she not? That's what
0: know your place, and do you really think that this if this was a black president, they wouldn't lock them up that moment? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I listen to your stuff all the time, where he talks about you know, uh, Reagan took down the gun laws because. Of uh, Black
11: Panthers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if Trump was a Muslim Muslim representative, you think we would be like, hey, and and for a second, Trump was the first one to tell you he's going to lock, hey, guys, he's going to lock her up. And I believe him. Yeah. You know, I'm tired of people saying, you know, what, what, he, what they think he meant. Why don't we work with what he's saying?
2: I agree. And, Sandra, uh, and, I, and, I, and I super agree with your point that the only thing these guys recognize or acknowledge is strength. You're absolutely right. Sandra, thank you. Very, 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 very on the point. Matt in Longmont, Colorado. Hey, Matt, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, how are you today? Good. What's on your mind?
12: Uh I'm yeah I first of all just let me say thank you for all you do I uh, really really enjoy your show sure. i been a long time listener uh, okay. but uh, I'm just curious how you would how you feel about um, this situation I foresee coming, which is, uh, I think we're going to be in a situation where Republicans are going to be using our own words against us in 2024. Um, we're arguing that the vice president and the role in the electoral process is cer- ceremonial only, and that worked out well when we had, you know, there were, well, I shouldn't say it worked out well, but, uh, you know, things were made made to work out well when we had competing electors. But, as you've been talking about, you know, with these Secretary of State and potential um Trump supporters coming into power, how do we handle that if they only send one state of select electors? and now they're using our words against this that you know there's nothing we can do. This is all a ceremonial process. The electors that are here are here despite the fact that the state lost. Um, I'm just kind of curious no i I get if, if I get if, if, if I get what you're saying, plan. Matt.
2: and just uh, let me just lay this out for people who may not understand what you're suggesting. Um, if, uh, 2024 comes along, several states, I believe six states now, I I could be wrong on the number, but it's in that neighborhood, have passed laws now, or have laws pending that say that the state legislature can get around. Let me, let me back up a little bit. The constitution says that every state's legislature can decide which electors to send to Washington, DC. So if you're just reading the constitution then, you know, uh, Georgia, even if, even if Trump lost Georgia, Georgia could send Trump electors to Washington, D.C. The thing that has blown that up is that every single state in the union has passed a law saying that their electors must, or they, the electors that they will send to Washington, D.C., will be 100% of them, with the exception of Nebraska and Maine, where they split the state in half, but the same principle that all of those electors will go with whatever, whichever candidate carried the majority of the state. So, uh, and the Supreme Court has given, you know, uh, states the power to, to even enforce that, you know, to put that into law. So now you've got five, six, seven states that have passed laws saying, yeah, we're, we're gonna soften that. You don't, the state, the state legislature preserves its prerogative to send different electors other than who the citizens of the state elected. So we get to 2024. And Georgia, and let's say it's Trump v. Biden again. Uh, it probably won't be, but let's just say it is. And, and uh, uh, Georgia gets carried by Biden again. And the Georgia legislature says, screw that. We're going to send Trump electors to Washington, D.C. And, so and so that's the only slate that shows up. Kamala Harris is opening the ballots. And she looks at this and she says, you know, I know that Georgia elected uh, Joe Biden. Uh, and so I'm not going to certify these electors. You well know, the problem is that the Electoral Count Act of 1887 says basically that it is a ceremonial role. That's why, I mm-hmm. mean, if the Electoral Count Act had not been passed, John Eastman's scheme would have worked. Because it did work in 1876 yeah. in that election. So they fixed that. So now it can't happen. So with that background then, Matt... Are you suggesting that we should change the law so that Kamala Harris can throw out slates she doesn't think are legitimate? Or are you suggesting uh, that we need, to, we need to correct what the states are doing, whether they're pre-planning their theft of the election?
12: I think it's the law. I, I would hope we would deal with the states. You know, I don't want to see the law change to allow States electors to be thrown out by on a whim. Because that's not going to help us in the long run. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I'm just concerned they're going to be using our words again. Well, you said last time, you know, that this is what you know. It's a ceremonial process only, so you can't be contesting this. We're just going to go with what's here. And well, I think that's going to be is.
2: that is the law, man. I don't. That, and that's not going to change. I don't. You know, although there is, you know, I got an email from one of the right wing groups, uh, Freedom Works, uh, saying that they want to change the electoral count act maybe it's in anticipation of this matt thanks You're for the call
1: to tom hartman visit tomhartman.com for audio and video archives
2: i remember thinking when i got that email a couple of weeks ago like why are republicans wanting to change the electoral count act matt might have just given us the answer Marcus in Chicago. Hey, Marcus, what's on your mind today?
6: Hey, Tom, how are you doing this afternoon? Good.
7: I want to make three quick points. Mm-hmm. These people that testified, other than the two women, they're no heroes. Let me tell you who the true heroes were, and at are three. Number one was Mario
2: Bowser. Mario Bowser, yeah, the mayor yeah. of Washington, D.C.
7: Yes, because she spoke often and loud. Well, Black Lives Matters and Antifa to stay away from the Capitol yep. on January yep.
2: 6th. And by the way, she just and, won her primary election.
7: And they did, because if they hadn't, the chaos that would have been there would have led Trump to declare martial law, would have got him the delay that he wanted on the counting of the Electoral College and to flip everything back to the states. I think you're right, Marcus. Second. Second was the Capitol police officers. Yep. Because, you know, they fought like heck to keep those people from entering the building. Yep. And third, I don't know who they were those two ladies that grabbed the box of Electoral College ballots mm-hmm. and scurried them away because if they could have captured those same thing. Everything would have flipped back to the States and Trump would have gotten what he wanted. Yep.
2: Those are the three heroes. I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, the two congressional staffers who made off with the boxes, I'm not sure I've ever seen their names anywhere. Maybe they don't want their names out there because people get death threats. I don't
7: blame them. I don't blame them. Considering what's happening. No, do not release their name. Yeah. I'm with you. Those, those are the heroes. Yep.
4: On January
2: 6th. Yep. Absolutely. Marcus, perfect. Perfect. Thank you very much. Michael in Bronx, New York. Hey, Michael, what's up?
4: Hi, Tom. A couple of things. First, it'll be really interesting to see what names come up as to who was involved directly or indirectly with Trump with this attempted coup. And I think I said before, I suspect it'd probably be amongst the same names that in the impeachment trial sided with him. You're talking
2: about members right. of Congress.
4: Right, exactly. Yeah. In the Senate and in the House, the Senate especially, right. since they're the ones that would vote to acquit or convict Trump. But going into what you were saying about this national right to life movement, that call themselves Christian. Now, speaking as a Christian, I'm telling you right now, they are a farce, an absolute farce. Not one peep out of them when it came to the violent insurrection on January sixth, not one peep out of them with the massive um gun massacres and mass shootings that have been going on that been killing people and the ongoing violence perpetrated by these trumpers and these far right GOPs. And amongst the victims, mind you, are expected mothers and the unborn. Not one peep out of these right wingers, but they want to keep trivializing abortion. And you just got to say, what's next? That they're going to start monitoring um, dialogue that's on the websites. Here's a scarier thought. What if they turn around and demand cameras inside each and every OBGYN examination room? Here's a woman that is supposed to be exposed for her doctor going to a regular checkup, and now she's got to be on camera as soon Yeah, I don't think they're going to go that far, Michael, but
2: it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a, a revival of what Mike Pence tried to do in Indiana, which is where doctors have to report to the state... When a woman uh, tests positive for pregnancy, and then the state begins to monitor that woman, I mean, I, I'm fully expecting something like that to be proposed. Thanks a lot for the call, John in Cashmere, Washington. Hey, John, what's up?
10: Hey, Tom. I just wanted to run a theory by you on the January sixth situation sure. and why Trump sets set still for so long, uh, over three hours. Um, what I believe probably was happening was the um, Proud Boys and the housekeepers Keepers were acting as shock troops to go in and initiate the breach into the Capitol.
2: Oh, we know that and, now. They, and, they were the first in.
10: Right. And after they had been in for a while, I think their goal was to, to uh, try and find, um, all it would have taken would have been one or two Congress people, Pence, anybody, and uh, probably injure or murder them. And at that point, I believe they would have pulled out. Trump would have called for martial law and tried to act like the uh, conquering, uh, rescuing hero, and uh, probably would have thrown his own people under the bus that were there, who weren't involved with the Proud Boys and the old keepers and some of the more militant organizations there. Um, That's interesting because I was I was
2: imagining that he would have uh, basically embraced the Proud Boys would have claimed that things would have been far worse if they hadn't been there, you know, uh, made up some kind of lie because they're like his SS. They're his personal shock troops. Um, You're suggesting he would have thrown them under the bus. That's an interesting
10: thing to consider. No, no, actually, no, I'm not suggesting that at all. Uh, What I'm suggesting is their goal was to go in and and cause chaos, injure or murder somebody. Uh, One of the Congress people pull out and then he would have Called out the
2: National Guard and uh, acted like he was a uh, oh I see a hero. Give the Proud Boys enough time to get get the hell out of Dodge first. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah I get it. John, thank you. It's a I it, it makes perfect sense actually. Uh, Debbie? Yes. Hi. Hi. You're on the air. What's up?
11: I was wondering about why Trump has been able to avoid the consequences of his actions for so long, you know, state level, federal level, whatever. And the only thing I can come up with, and I've talked with family about this is, well, he was in the hotel business and maybe he's been involved in blackmail because I just can't see. You think he's been bugging hotel
2: rooms and he's got the goods on a bunch of Republicans who stayed at the Trump Hotel?
11: yes absolutely (laughs) you know we're corporate people who knows but
2: it's the logical next step from the pp tapes you know (laughs) where they thought you know putin had bugged him Uh, in Russia.
11: yeah it's i've been talking with family members about it i mean the man has no charisma he doesn't have that much money i don't really believe um
2: i think he does now he took in a billion dollars during those four years he was president he he made a fortune off our government
11: right you are right on that, but I, I wouldn't think that that would um, account for this fawning, um, craven... Yeah.
2: Uh, I think they're afraid of his, his yeah. power Among, with, the, with the base. And and, you know, and, and and frankly, you've got a violent base. I mean, we're, we're talking a, a fascist regime here, or a fascist movement, and fascist movements, you know, the, one of the cardinal characteristics is violence. And so, you know, I mean, Adam Kinzinger and uh, Liz Cheney now have to, everywhere they go, they have to security detail. They can't give public speeches any longer. They've had to dial back public events. So uh, you know, Liz Cheney's running for re-election, and she can't do public events because there's been so many credible death threats against her. That's got to cause a lot of Republicans to think, you know, do I really want to, you know, face that? So that yeah, but... They've been fawning and craving before
11: the committee. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I, I fear for this country, and I really, I really feel badly for this next generation coming along. But
2: well, Unless we can is, change things.
11: Yeah. I mean, Trump is so incredibly dangerous, yeah. and his followers are even worse.
2: I'm with well, you. I don't know. And the Republicans. They're- so, you know, has anybody agreed with you that, uh, that, that these people might be being blackmailed?
11: Yes. My mother, she's 91. Yeah. <laughs> she goes yeah. back to remembering the McCarthy hearings.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I actually, you know, blackmail has a long, a long political tradition in American politics. Yeah. I suppose mm-hmm. it's possible. You know, the uh, Trump Hotel in Washington D.C. just changed hands. He just, he just offloaded mm-hmm. that, and so people are starting to go back. And in fact, uh, Chef Jose Andres is going to be opening a, a restaurant in there. It would be mm-hmm. interesting if the new owners did a sweep to see if there are bugs in any of the rooms or any evidence that there were, you know, because that was Republican Central for years.
11: Yeah. Very interesting. Anyway, it's
2: just a thought. It's a fascinating one. Debbie, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't put it past Trump. Actually, I wouldn't put it past Don Jr. or Eric. You know, a little voyeurism maybe. Alfredo in Mountain View, California. Hey, Alfredo, what's up?
4: Hey, Tom. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question for you regarding Gore v. Bush. What are your thoughts about this unhinged Supreme Court is willing to, in my opinion, to give the next presidential election to the next Republican candidate? What are your thoughts on that? And, and uh, You know, if they lose the election, they're going to go to the Supreme Court and uh, just hand the election to a Republican. This and is what they're going
2: to decide next year. They just, did, they just announced it, that they're taking a case that has to do with this doctrine, which is in the Constitution, that the states may decide how their electoral college votes are cast. And you've got a couple of states that have said, we're no longer going to cast our electoral college votes based on how people in our state vote we're going to do it based on how our legislature votes and i'm guessing the supreme court is going to say yeah that's what the constitution says you, you can go along with your legislature which is going to give states controlled by republicans even if they're purple states you know like uh, georgia which voted for, uh, for joe biden uh, is going to give the people of georgia the power of the, uh, the republicans in, in the legislature the power to, to toss the election to the republicans uh, they're setting up the theft of the 2024 election right now, and uh, <laughs> we need to do something about that. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. Hope you have a wonderful a Fourth of July holiday, by the way, and uh, we'll see you
1: soon. been listening to tom hartman for audio and video archives visit tom hartman.com